I'll read text 6 and 7 first because there's no commentary on them. <coughs> text 6 Yudhishthira Uvacha Sampreshito Dwarakayam Jishnur Bandhu Didrikshaya Nyatam Japunya Shlokasya Krishnasya Chavicheshitam Maharaj Yudhishthira said to his younger brother Bhimasen, I sent Arjuna to Dwaraka to meet his friends and to learn from the personality of Godhead Krishna of his program of work. Gata Sapta Dhuna Masa Bhimasena Tavanudaha Nayati Kasyavahetor since he departed seven months have passed, yet he has not returned. I do not know actually how things are going there. What does that mean, plenary portion? That's a common term in Srila Prabhupada's writings. What does it mean? What does plenary mean? Full, yeah, full extension. Full, yeah. So, it refers to Vishnu Tattva, not Jiva Tattva or Shiva Tattva or Shakti Tattva. Angams. It's Svamsha. Is he going to quit his earthly pastimes as Devarshi Narada indicated? Has that time already arrived? Support. As we have discussed many times, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, has many plenary expansions and each and every one of them, although equally powerful, executes different functions. In Bhagavad Gita there are different statements by the Lord and each of these statements is meant for different plenary portions or portions of the plenary portions. For example, Sri Krishna, the Lord, says in Bhagavad Gita, Whenever and wherever there is a decline in religious practice, or descendant of Bharat, and a predominant rise of irreligion, at that time I will send myself to deliver the faithful, to annihilate the miscreants, and also to re-establish the principles of occupational duty, I appear in every age. If I should cease to work, then all humanity would be misdirected. I would also be the cause of creating unwanted population and I would thereby destroy the peace of all sentient beings. Whatever action a great man performs, common men will follow, and whatever standards he sets by exemplary acts, all the world pursues. All the above statements by the Lord apply to different plenary portions of the Lord, namely his expansions such as Sankarsana, Vasudeva, Pradyumna, Anirudha, and Narayana. 
These are all he himself in different transcendental expansions. And still the Lord as Sri Krishna functions in a different sphere of transcendental exchange with different grades of devotees. And yet Lord Krishna as he is appears once every 24 hours of Brahma's time or after a lapse of uh, 8,640 million solar years. How do, how do you say that? Is that 8 trillion 640 billion? Does anyone know? Anyone? Beyond my uh, ability to reckon. That many solar years. It's, uh, one 24 hours of Brahma's time. Mm. He appears once every 24 hours of Brahma's time in each and every universe and all his transcendental pastimes are displayed. Sorry. All his transcendental pastimes are displayed in each and every universe in a routine school. But in that routine school, the functions of Lord Krishna, Lord Vasudeva, etc. are complex problems for the layman. There is no difference between the Lord's self and the Lord's transcendental body. The expansions execute differential activities. When the Lord, however, appears in his person as Lord Sri Krishna, his other plenary portions also join in him by his inconceivable potency called Yoga Maya. And thus, the Lord Krishna of Vrindavan is different from the Lord Krishna of Mathura or the Lord Krishna of Dwaraka. The Virat Rupa of Lord Krishna is also different from him by his inconceivable potency. The Virat Rupa exhibited on the battlefield of Kurukshetra is the material conception of his form. Therefore it should be understood that when Lord Krishna was apparently killed by the bow and arrow of the hunter, the Lord left his so-called material body in the material world. The Lord is Kaivalya and for him there is no difference between matter and spirit because everything is created from him. Therefore his quitting one sort of body or accepting another body does not mean that he is like the ordinary living being. All such activities are simultaneously one and different by his inconceivable potency. When Maharaj Yudhishthir was lamenting the possibility of his disappearance, it was just in pursuance of a custom of lamenting the disappearance of a great friend. But actually the Lord never quits his transcendental body as is misconceived by less intelligent persons. Such less intelligent persons have been condemned by the Lord himself in Bhagavad Gita and they are known as Murhas. That the Lord left his body means that he left again his plenary portions in the respective arms, transcendental abodes, as he left his Virata Rupa in, in the material world. Is he going to quit his earthly pastimes as Devarshi Narada indicated? Has that time already arrived? Yudhishthira Maharaj is speculative. Bhagavatatva Vidyanam. This is the science of the subject matter of the Supreme Lord 
and his devotees who to superfluous vision might appear to be mundane or mundanely motivated as we see or we will see in the next verse Yudhishthya Maharaj <coughs> speaks about Krishna that by his mercy all our kingly opulence, good wives, lives, progeny, control over subjects, victory over our enemies, and future in accommod- future accommodations in higher planets have become possible. So it seems that the relationship between the Lord and his devotees, it's like that of mundane people. Uh, a mundane person approaches someone of more power, position, and opulence, flatters him, and gets uh, some facility from him. And it may be thought that bhakti is just like that. In fact, it appears that most people, or most Hindus, think that that's what bhakti means that you approach a certain god or a certain bogus guru or bogus avatar and you flatter them and you sing songs to them and wave some incense at them and they throw some or they arrange by their mercy you get some material benediction and that is what is considered bhakti by uh, materialistic people and uh, they, they may have some feeling for the demigod or the bogus avatar or whatever it is that they, who they uh, worship. But the root of it all is selfishness. So, without understanding Srimad Bhagavatam or Shastra or anything for that matter from pure devotees, there's certain to be misunderstanding. Srila Prabhupada has in his purport uh, discussed some of the points which Srila Jiva Goswami establishes in his Sandarva. It's very uh, suitable for all of you who are studying here the Sandarvas come here for this purpose. And many of the points of how we are to understand Krishna. Krishna can be understood through the Srimad Bhagavatam, but even the Srimad Bhagavatam, if we just read it, we're certain to misunderstand it. Unless we follow the Parampara. If we just read by ourselves, we're certain to misunderstand it. Just like, for instance, well, there's so many things. Krishna is dancing with the gopis. Uh, the whole Mohini avatar description, if we don't read it from devotees, then we're going to misunderstand. And it's true with, not only with the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the uh, topmost Shastra, the Bhagavad Gita, which is sometimes described as the introductory uh, knowledge of spiritual life, even that is certain to be understood unless it's understood in the parampara, the, the uh, point of, of, of the discussion, 
what's being described here is Yudhishthya Maharaj's affection for Krishna and Krishna's affection for him and for all the Pandavas. So it appears that Krishna is partial to the Pandavas. And actually, he is. It appears that uh, in that case, that well, the relationship between Krishna and the Pandavas is they might be very great people, but uh, they're more or less motivated in the same way as anyone else in this world. It's not very spiritual. They have, they have their friends and they have their enemies. So, that's not very spiritual. Maybe for this reason, or one of the reasons why impersonalists conclude that the Absolute is impersonal. Because if there's a if there's any relationship with anyone, it means that every relationship with every person, that means that that modifies our attitude towards other people. Because there's, there's no uh, relationship without attachment. And if there's attachment, then there's also aversion. That's there in the topmost spiritual existence also. The, the uh, attachment of the devotees to Krishna is accompanied by aversion to anything which is an obstruction to their meeting with Krishna or serving Krishna. So as long as there's persons and there's relationships, then there's attachment. That's what bhakti is all about, attachment to Krishna. That also means aversion. And this is the Radha Dvesha. This attachment and aversion is the uh, substratum of, of, of material life. And then Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna himself, speaks about Raga, Dvesha, what's the next word? Well, it comes up several times. Vimuktais, Vimuktais. One should be a spiritually advanced person is free from attachment and aversion. But it appears that Krishna himself has attachment to the Pandavas and he's averse to the Kauravas. So, what's going on here? What's so spiritual about Krishna? He may be very great, he can show, that's what Duryodhana thought, that he can show some, some forms, he can, he can show something, but ultimately he's just uh, another person. Just another person. So all these apparent contradictions have to be understood through the parampara. We find in Bhagavad Gita himself that Lord Krishna talks about his partiality to his devotees right after he talks about his impartiality toward everyone. What's that verse? Samoham sarva bhuteshu namedeshu He says, no one, I'm equal to everyone and I don't hate anyone, and I don't love anyone either. And what's the next line? Then immediately after it he says that, well, actually, I do love my devotees, and if anyone who worships me, I reciprocate with that. So it appears to be contradictory. So how is this to be understood? Is Krishna correcting himself? Do we have to throw out that first statement? Well, 
We have to understand through the parampara here. Srila Prabhupada in the purport to the verse that we're reading today states, this is, uh, gives us some insight, there are different statements, in Bhagavad Gita there are different statements by the Lord and each of these statements is meant for different plenary portions of all portions of the plenary portions. So not everything applies to everyone in all circumstances, not even Krishna himself. And as the Acharyas comment, that the first line of that verse, Samoham Sarvakuteshu, that refers to the uh, Antaryami Paramatma, who is the Upadrashtanumantacha, he is the seer of everything, and he allows, okay, you want to do that? Okay, alright. But that's his function as God, that he's neutral. Everyone gets what they deserve. But in the case of his devotees, then he's partial to them. That's him as Krishna. And Krishna is God as God is generally understood and more. He's more than just God. Or if we say God here means as God is generally understood by people who don't understand God that he is someone who we worship and he gives us what we want and he punishes the sin. There's another statement by Lord Krishna that he reciprocates accordingly. He reciprocates with everyone. Uh, so, uh, those who worship him in love, he reciprocates in love also. And we find in the Bhagavatam, it's described that Krishna is uh, overcome or controlled by love. Nasadhyati maam yogo, nadharmam sankhyam uddhava, naswadhayasthapasthyalo yata bhagdhima morjita. He says that all these other things, yoga, dharma, sankhya, study of shastra, austerity, renunciation, none of these can please me in the same way as bhakti unto me. So, uh, Krishna is equal to all. And he's also inclined to his devotees. But then he's equal to all. Because anyone can become his devotee. No one's banned from being his devotee. Even Duryodhana, if he had said to Krishna, well, you know, actually, I should surrender to you. And I do surrender to you. Then Krishna would have accepted it. It's not that he said, well, no, you're, you've made so many offenses. He may say that, just like we find Jagai and Madhai, they, they made so many, uh, so sinful, and they offended Lord Nityananda. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was ready to forgive him. Not that they go on sinning, uh, but he's willing to accept them. And therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda are so famous as being 
so merciful because even persons who were very offensive, they were eventually forgiven. Even as Gopal Chapal, he was so offensive. And in the beginning, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he asked for forgiveness and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, no, you, you can have your leprosy and suffer in hell for millions of lives, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said. But eventually, he, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu relented. Why is he so cruel to Gopal Chapa? Because Gopal Chapa was an offender to his devotees. We find also in Bhagavad Gita that Tanaham Vishita Kuran Sansareshu Naratama Shipamiya Dasham Ashubham Asuishu Sounds like Krishna is very cruel. Those who are envious, I throw them into the demonic, the lowest of mankind, I throw them into the demoniac species of life. So it sounds like it's really, really harsh here. But everyone gets what they deserve. It's not that Krishna's abandoned them. They also get a chance. They're not abandoned. Even though it seems that he's very harsh, but people are getting what they deserve for their dvesha, tanahan vishita, kruran, they're nasty, hateful, and cruel. So they go to hell. But actually they like that also. There are certain people who would prefer to be in hell, it seems, than to be in heaven. We see that, that people, they they choose to listen to hellish music. They choose to uh, take intoxication, which puts them in hellish consciousness. They actually like that. If we offer people that, that uh, you can live a very cultured life, with very even on a material platform, that there, people can choose. There are many beautiful things, materially speaking, there's art and aestheticism, but people, many people, they prefer to music which is uh, hellish. And they, they prefer to decorate their bodies in a style which actually looks uh, totally demonic. In the Western country, it's part of normal life. And they take pleasure in they, they go to movies, and the, the movies in India also are full of sex and violence and rape and all horrible things, but people like them. They're in hellish consciousness, so it's actually very suitable for them that they go to such a place. Instead of going to a nice place where people are nice, they like, they take pleasure in being nasty. I know myself, even as a child, in my upbringing, it was considered... It's, it's a kind of plus if, if you're nasty, if you're mean. For you also? No. It's, it's like the, if you can be mean and nasty and cruel. I mean, it's, uh, that was considered among certain people I knew to be something good. And we, we have. But, uh, gone in hell. Turn up your cell phone. Burn in hell forever. So, uh, people actually want that. Krishna's, that's Krishna's kindness in another way. If they, if they send them to, uh, 
heaven, they won't like it. They, they, they always, what's all this being nice and uh, in hell, they, in heaven they have to follow some some rules of culture and proper behavior. They don't like it. So Krishna is actually very kind to them also by giving them people of hellish mentality the opportunity to go into a hellish situation. So Krishna is impartial and he's partial also. And that sounds like word jugglery, but it's fully possible for Krishna. Everything that might seem impossible, that's quite possible for Krishna. All contradictions are resolved in him. This is another of the features of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Jiva Goswami and other Acharyas have pointed out that he's, he's the greatest of the great in science, the smallest of the small in science. He is the most loving, he can be the most cruel also, apparently. Although the difference is that the love and compassion and kindness on the material platform is on the substratum of that is all envy, personal motivation. Whereas Krishna, whatever he does is good. And that comes out in the, this discussion comes in the seventh canto of Bhagavatam, where uh, Purikshit Maharaj asks Shukadeva, isn't, isn't the Supreme Lord partial, like the, like the demons say, by like killing the demons? Isn't he partial? It doesn't seem to be a proper quality of Bhagavan. And Shukadeva Goswami explains in great detail how the, the impartiality of the Supreme Lord is not compromised by his partiality. He, in other words, everything he does is good for everyone. And even his killing the demons is good for them. They also get benefit from that. Everyone who comes in contact with Krishna in any way is benefited. So Krishna, he comes to this world. Uh, he has nothing to do. He's not, he's not uh, attached to... Uh, involved in any world but then again he says that if I should cease to he doesn't he has no work to do there's nothing to do but still he appears to work he comes he comes to remove or to restore dharma when there is adharma, and particularly paritranaya sadhunam vinashayata dushkrita. He does this by the method of uplifting his devotees and destroying the demons, which again it appears to be partiality, but that vinasha, that destroying of the demons, that doesn't mean that they're totally destroyed and totally finished with no hope whatsoever, but rather he uh, destroys their disturbing activities and puts them in a situation where uh, he removes them from the situation in which they're causing disturbance 
and gives them an opportunity to start again with the, the mercy that they get from being involved in it. So Krishna is all merciful, he is all good, and he is all kind. But to understand this, we have to understand what is the nature of reality, what is the nature of spirit, what is the, what is the nature of Bhagavan. And for that we will first have to clearly understand Lord Krishna's teachings in the Bhagavad Gita, which begins with uh, Krishna conde- not condemning but uh, rebuking Arjuna for his Kashmala, his impurity. What is that impurity? Kripayavishtan. Ashupurna Kulechanam, Arjuna's kindness, Kripaya Avishta, he's absorbed in compassion. And Krishna says, his eyes are brimming with tears. And Krishna says, You nonsense. So, this doesn't seem, what is this? Arjuna's thinking, we don't want to kill our gurus, we don't want to kill our brothers. We don't want to create a bad situation in society. It's not right. We shouldn't fight. He's full of compassion. And Krishna calls him a damn fool, to quote Srila Prabhupada. And uh, damn fool number one, to be precise. (laughs) Uh, this This is nonsense. Why is it nonsense? Because he hasn't understood the nature of compassion. He doesn't, because he hasn't understood the nature of reality. So everything has to be understood through the eyes of Shastra and through the eyes of the Acharyas. Otherwise, if we don't understand through these eyes, then we're certain to misunderstand. It's a completely different perspective. If we hear mundane people who are trying to be nice talk about compassion, but their compassion is, the very nature of compassion in this material world is that compassion to one means uh, harm to another. Just like we may, if, if we favor one group, that means we disfavor another. Or just like the uh, Mother Teresa is famous as being so compassionate and so kind, but she wasn't so compassionate and kind to the animals that she had every day because she had no clear conception of kindness or the animals that she fed to the to the people in her homes which uh, her kindness to the, the people in her homes uh, meant that she hastened their journey to hell actually so she's praised by foolish people as being very compassionate but she had no actual understanding of what is compassion and therefore although the the perverted reflection of compassion may have been felt in her heart, but she was actually doing harm to others. And Krishna, he rebuked Arjuna for, for his similar compassion. So all these, of course, these are subjects which, if we say like this, even many of our devotees will become upset due to a uh, mundane attachment to ideas of what is good for others and what is compassion. The the Krishna conscious outlook or the Shastric outlook is quite different from that of 
mundane people. And in fact, almost everything Srila Prabhupada says about everything is, uh, goes against pretty much everything that modern society stands for. Srila Prabhupada is for capital punishment. He is uh, for stratification of society, that not everyone should be equal or have equal rights. For uh, women's non-independence, which if you even say that in much of the world today, then uh, you, you might be subject to violence actually, because people, it's definitely very strong verbal violence, because people think this is a great affront to human civilization. How can, how can you say that? How can you, so, Srila uh, Prabhupada was against democracy and so many different ones. So what is it? Is Srila Prabhupada what they would call a religious fundamentalist? Yes, but the word fundamentalist has also been misused. And so, uh, to be fundamental, to be the means to be fully, uh, to stick to the basics and to be fully absorbed in it, that is very good if you, if you actually know what the basics are. Of course, if you have a perverted understanding of religion, which which most religious fundamentalists do, then uh, you're being fundamentally attached to something which is not right is going to give a bad result. But then the uh, relativism, in which the idea that everything, everything, everyone's opinion should be given equal, everyone should, you should respect everyone's opinion, except fundamentalists' opinion. That's what relativists think. But that also, uh, that also is violence, according to, that's also harmful, according to Krishna. Being very fair and very nice is, uh, is a contamination. So one has to understand very clearly what is actually beneficial for everyone and what isn't based on Shastric understanding. Uh, so that is received through the parampara. What is the actual purpose of life? What is the actual meaning of life? One cannot actually uh, benefit oneself or anyone else unless one understands these things. So I finish that. Is there any question about this, please? Yes. Speaking about what? He was not uh, for democracy. Srila Prabhupada is not for democracy, yes. That's correct. Demon crazy. Demon crazy, that's correct. Uh, at the same time, we see, uh, he established GBC, we have an uh, election of GBC members. No, we don't have election of GBC members. What can you do? I know, some issue comes up, they vote. They vote among themselves. Yeah. How do you understand that? Well, he gave some measure in the GBC body. And GBC members are supposed to be uh, our charities, so the Prabhupada said that. So yes, he did give some measure. That when democracy means equal rights for all. Having a GBC body, that's not a, that's not a, a democracy. I guess you could call that an autocracy. There's a few people at the top who decide things. Yeah, anything else?
I spoke about what, sorry? About being uh, falsely compassionate. Falsely compassionate, yes. To behave nicely towards others is a manifestation of real compassion. They behave not nicely, in a very cruel way to others. It's my mercy that I am dealing with you in a nasty manner. Because I'm making you humble. <laughs> well, I was speaking about one, uh, one aspect of Maya called false compassion. And you're speaking about another one. That devotees misbehave with others. Yeah, so what's the question? What is the proper balance? Everything, first of all, one should understand everything very clearly. Without proper knowledge, one cannot act properly. One who has got proper knowledge, and then everything he does will be for the benefit of others, whether it appears kind or cruel. For one who is not properly situated in that, everything he does will be harmful to others, whether it appears kind or cruel. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying. That it's not working properly. That oh, no. it is said that Krishna is. It is said by. It is said that Yeah, there's a verse quoted there. Sanskrit verse quoted. This is the intention of the person. Bhava Grand Janaka. So similarly, social workers, even though they don't know what is. For the benefit of the people, they don't have knowledge, but their intention their, their is good. Their intention is good, yeah. is it? Well, the intention of social workers is good, so Krishna accepts that. Uh, no, actually, their intention is based on uh, false understanding. They, their intention is to do good, but the, the, the underlying basis of it is envy of Krishna. And until that is rectified, that everything one does is simply a manifestation of envy of Krishna. And of course, we could say that uh, social workers, they have a, a better mentality than Hitler, for instance. But many times the social workers, they actually, I gave one example, another example is they, they go around and they hand out condoms, and which, and, or they... Uh, they stand up for the, the, the rights of people to do sinful things like abortions. So without knowledge, it, it may seem very good, but it's a disaster. Therefore, in human life, it is the duty of every human being to uh, get proper knowledge of what he's doing. Without that, he's not 
really a human being, misusing the human form of life. That Bhavagrahi Janadana, that's, uh, that verse is that, uh, what is that? Murko Vaditi Vishnaya Pandita Vaditi Vishnavin. So it's not, not in the matter of feeding chicken to people in the name of doing good for them. It's uh, how one uh, performs acts of bhakti. So the, the, the well-intentioned social worker who, who uh, goes to a lot of trouble to help women have the right to have abortion, goes to hell for that. They, they may think that I'm doing very good and these people who are opposing that are very bad, but they're wrong. As the English saying is there, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> Shri Prabhupada also quoted. So it is the primary duty of a human being to get proper knowledge. Without that, all this so-called compassion, as Srila Prabhupada said, when people were in Haridwar, when people were rebuking Srila Prabhupada for not being compassionate, Srila Prabhupada is speaking very strongly as usual. And uh, Prabhupada said, Your compassion is like blowing on a boil. Have you heard that example? That if you have a boil, have you ever had a boil? You know what a boil is? What up? Okay, I had one right here before. It's extremely painful. The whole thing was... So some of you have a... So you might get a momentary, slight relief from the terrible pain, but the real relief comes by applying a knife and cutting, it, cutting out the poison. So like that, the real relief from the pain of material life can only come by the sadhsa, what is that? Santa evasya chinyanti. What is that? Next slide. Manobya sangam uktibihi. Sadhus is a, a cut, the material attachments or the mental attachments with the, with the knife of their words. That is the compassion of sadhus. That is the definition of sadhus. The one who cuts with their words. Material attachments. Anything that, anything that we do or say that increases people's material attachments is not kindness. It may appear to be kind, but it's not kind at all. This should be very clearly understood. In our movement today also, there's a lot of promotion of what is basically mundane welfare work. And devotees who are joining nowadays may be under the impression that the main purpose of our movement is feeding school children so that they can get, uh, uh, they can study and get a job and this is the, the best thing that ISKCON does for anyone, which is how a lot of our preaching, or so-called preaching goes on. But, uh, giving children the opportunity to study in a demoniac school, demoniac subject, so that they can follow the demoniac way of life, that uh, that may be very pleasing to the society of demoniac people, but it's 
doesn't give people the knowledge that they need to get free from material attachment. So, promoting this kind of idea that school children should get good jobs, you should train them well so they can get good jobs, it's, uh, it's just the opposite. It's like Arjuna's compassion, it's contamination. So, Hare Krishna, it's time to finish there. Oh, you had a question, there's, according to the watch, there's 35 seconds. What's your question? Uh, you speak about so I have that in this one we have uh, uh, You have so You have what? Uh, women committee. Women what? Women committee. Mm-hmm. So how, how can I respond this You heard that in this one we have a women committee. Well there's a Vaishavi ministry which was previously called the Women's Ministry. Yeah, it's a controversial subject. That's why we have to understand everything very clearly. The, uh, how, there's Param Dharma, which is Atma Dharma, and there is the Swadharma of this material world, of Vanashram Dharma. So, as long as we're in this world, we have to Vaishnavism transcends Varnashram Dharma. But as long as we're in this world, we have to follow some of the formalities of this world, including those of Varnashram Dharma. So what, who, and under which circumstances uh, people can or should act in a manner that... uh, goes beyond Varnashram Dharma. That's a very sukshma vichara, very requires fine understanding. But uh, from what I can see without that fine understanding, we're trying to apply without that very fine understanding of how Vaishnavas should live in this world, if we try to apply the uh, the highest principle, without being steady in the lower principle, then it's going to create chaos, as it has with the Prakrita Sahajya Sampadaya, for instance. You say, well, we're all just liberated. Therefore, we don't have to follow any rules of ordinary society. The whole Ashram institution, the restriction of mixing between men and women is there because the sexual impulse is that which destroys spiritual life. So that has to that has to be kept in check. And if we simply say, well, we're all liberated, and so men and women can all mix up together, then we're going to become practice sahajyas with the result that we don't or the result that in the name of devotional service, we actually promote Adhan. So personally, uh, I'd like to see a lot more emphasis in our movement, especially in the Western countries, before emphasizing women's rights, uh, overcoming divorce, which is rampant in our society. We should 
seem to learn first. Anyway, like I said, these are controversial subjects. So. <laughs>